Hey, everybody. Before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You can also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. How's it going? This is David Rosen, your host of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what other movies might have inspired it. And today on the show, we have part two of our two-part week on crazy true life stories. Uh, You may have listened to our previous episode, episode 15, which was on the movie Tag, which was a movie that I wasn't even really planning on seeing, but I ended up liking it. A lot more than I thought I would. It wasn't great, but it was all right. <laughs> but uh, it was a really fun episode to do. And it definitely was a great, crazy story. I'll put it that way. And I thought it would be a great matchup with the movie we're doing today, which is another great, crazy, true story. Uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. Before we do that, I want to remind you all to please make sure you are subscribed to the show. Wherever you're listening to it right now, you could probably subscribe right there, but you could also check us out on Apple Podcasts, on Pocket Casts, on Spotify, uh, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. We're pretty much in every podcast app. If there's one that you uh, like to listen to podcasts on and you don't see us, just shoot me an email, bydavidrosen at gmail.com, uh, or tweet at me uh, at bydavidrosen, or tweet at the show at PiecingPod, and get in touch and let us know that you can't find the show. We'll try to make sure we get it on there, whatever app it is that you're using. Um, but so far, we have been getting everywhere, and we're really excited that people have really been enjoying the show. And we're getting a lot of great feedback, and we want to keep getting more. So uh, make sure you are following us on social media at PiecingPod, um, all of the social media sites. Um, you could subscribe to our mailing list on our website, uh, www.piecingpod.com. And you can also join our Facebook group, Piecing It Together a movie discussion group. We've been having a lot of great chats in there. Uh, We continue the conversations about the movies that we cover on the show, but we also talk about new movies that are coming out. We talk about uh, all different kinds of things related to movies. We've been having a lot of great conversations in there, a lot of fun. We want to get you involved with it. So we'd love for you to join the group and get in on all that action. And maybe we'll read uh, some of your comments here on the show because uh, it's really a really fun way to stay connected with everybody who's been listening. And we really appreciate that you're all out there listening. Um, So one more thing before we get into today's episode, just wanted to mention, uh, again, thank you everyone who's been listening so far. We have a lot of great stuff uh, planned for this show. We got a lot more episodes coming, of course. Um, But we also have some special episodes coming that are going to break from the usual uh, format of the show. Uh, But I think they're going to be a lot of fun and add a lot of variety. 
Uh, we're also planning on doing some episodes on some smaller indie films, which I think will be a cool thing just to uh, get into that whole indie spirit. And uh, what else do we got coming up? We got some competitions. We're going to be doing some giveaways and all that kind of stuff, prizes. And uh, make sure you're signed up to our mailing list because that's where we're going to mainly be doing those giveaways. So uh, you can click on our website, piecingpod.com, and get signed up for that mailing list. Um, but yeah, lots of really cool stuff coming soon in the following weeks. And we'll be continuing to do lots more episodes. We already have a few plans right now. We're just going to keep getting more, start getting some new co-hosts on the show. Um, and of course, continue with all the ones that we've had already. We want to have all of them back and do more episodes with everybody because it's just so much fun doing it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy listening to it. So, uh, with that, I guess we'll get on to today's episode. Like I said, it's the second part of our crazy true life story week here on Piecing It Together. And this one is American Animals. Um, American Animals is directed by Bart Layton, and it stars Evan Peters and Barry Keoghan as the leaders of a group of young women who are just like bored with life and unsure of what they're going to do with their future. And they decide to try to steal some incredibly rare, expensive books from a museum library. They have no idea what they're doing. It all goes horribly wrong and spirals out of control. And yes, it is a true story. It's a movie that plays with the borders of fact and fiction. It constantly blurs the line. It even has the real life would be criminals in the movie as themselves, despite the fact that actors are playing them too. It's a wild movie, it's unique, and it made for a really great conversation with my returning co-host, Josh Bell. All right, so we got with us again, first time since episode two, Josh Bell hates everything. Josh Bell, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to having you again, and... Uh, Today we are uh, going to be talking about American Animals. Yes. Um, this was uh, this was a cool movie. I uh, I was really looking forward to it, and um, it was it was a little different than what I expected. But overall, I think it um, kind of lived up to the craziness that I was looking forward to. Yeah, it was. I would say it was crazy, and it was different. I think it was about what I expected from what I had read about it in terms of the format. But mm -hmm. it, it definitely that format is a different approach than most movies of sure. this type. So um, that's refreshing. It's I like that it's it's ambitious. I feel like maybe not all of those ambitions work out entirely. Exactly. But I appreciate the effort when a movie goes for something more than just the expected. Yeah, I uh, I went in. I had only seen the trailer. I hadn't actually read anything about it at that point. Um, I also didn't know. Um, uh, had you seen the uh, director's previous film, Brad Layton? I uh, yes, I had. In fact, I um, have that on my uh, list of things. There for us you to go. Get to. All right. Well, you know what? We might as well jump in there. Okay. Let you make that number one. But All yeah, right. uh, what what's it called again? Uh, the Imposter. The Imposter is, uh, is Bart Layton's first film, um, which is more of a documentary mm -hmm. than this movie, um, but at the same time does feature a lot of reenactments. Right. So right. you know, it's interesting to me. Like, at what point does that switch flip and you categorize a movie as a narrative rather than a documentary? Because sure. it seems like to me, American Animals is generally being categorized as a narrative film with some documentary elements, whereas The Imposter was categorized as a documentary with some reenactments in it. Exactly. Um, and yeah. maybe it's when you cast like 
Evan Peters and Barry Keoghan and actors that are recognizable, then you get to be called uh, a narrative. I don't know. Um, But certainly The Imposter is a very, if you haven't seen it, see it. I mean, it's a good movie. I've heard it's really good. Um, And it's better than American Animals. Okay. Um, But it's, it's a similarly insane, in fact, probably more insane true crime story. It's about this con artist of a French, I believe con artist Mm. who, uh, posed as a uh like the son of this family an american family in i think texas i want to say mm-hmm. um whose son had been uh possibly kidnapped or had disappeared years and years earlier and this french con artist learned about this and decided he would claim that he is the son even though he's french and thus speaks with a French accent right. <laughs> and doesn't look anything like their son, but they so wanted to believe it that they they went along with it. They said, yes, this is our long lost son. And they took him into their home. And also he was like 30 and the son was supposed to be like 15 or something. <laughs> and so all of these things where you're like, how could these people possibly believe any of this stuff? Yeah. And yet they're so desperate to have their son back. That they just they go along with it for this long period of time until, of course, eventually it it all falls apart, mainly because of uh, cops investigating. Mm. But it's it's also it's it's artistic in the way that it's presented, much like this. You know, just it's not just here's an interview and here's a news clip kind of thing. Right, um, it's yeah. about conflicting narratives of of what happened and this con artist guy who, of course, is constantly lying about everything, including to the filmmaker in the documentary, and you never know if what he says is really true or is really the way that things happened. And it is interspersed with some uh, some reenactments and stuff. So you can certainly see the progression from that film yeah. to this film, I think. That's, that's really interesting. Yeah, and it's something that's definitely been on my radar, and I'm looking forward to seeing one of these days. Uh, and, and that's cool how he apparently flipped his, his uh, yeah, like his film progression from uh, sounds like mostly documentary with a little bit of narrative and then flipping it the other way. It's, that's an interesting, uh, like, change, you know? Right, and yeah. I wonder where he's going to go from here. I mean, not that he has to only ever make movies sure. about weird true crime stories. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah, it's, you, you think, you know, uh, after The Imposter, like, oh, this guy is a really creative documentary film. You know, he's the next Errol Morris or something like that, and he's going to make another documentary, and yet he kind of swerves in this slightly different direction, and now yeah. who knows where he's going to end up. Well, sticking uh, on the uh, the true crime, and also I think Texas as well. You said this that was in Texas. I think uh, this yeah, was I believe in Texas. it was. Yeah, uh, Bernie from Richard oh, Linklater. Yes. Yeah, that was in Texas, wasn't it? I think so. I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like the whole you know not knowing the truth. Everybody's got a different story. Um, you know, incorporating real people into into the narrative and all that uh, into this fictional film. Uh, it. I love that movie. By the way. I agree. It's a great, that's a great. Yeah. And, and I'm, that was a good one that I, I was trying to think of more movies like that where real subjects interacted with like the actors who played yeah, there, them. There's not a lot of them that I was able to think of. And yeah, I mean, Bernie definitely is one of the better uses of that. And, uh, and <laughs> it's just like, even just thinking about that movie makes me like kind of laugh and like, you know, just cause, uh, just how ridiculous that whole story is. And this is another ridiculous story of these, idiots basically that's probably uh, uh art uh, a museum you know yeah yeah bernie is great i i i like that movie a lot i think that's maybe sort of underrated as far as richard linklater's films sure. go 
Yeah. Um, and, and that's even beyond, right, the, the way that the real people interact and are incorporated in the movie. Like Richard Linklater himself, like, had Bernie, like, live in his garage. I know. Yeah, that is crazy. I actually uh, listened to, like, a whole story on that once. And it's such an interesting story, <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm wondering if maybe Evan Peters went out and went nuts with uh, this Warren guy or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no, you never know. I could see that happening. That's possible. <laughs> uh, so what would your next puzzle piece okay, be? Okay, well, I, I will go with some more. Another obvious choice mm -hmm. um, for any movie, really, where uh, fiction or not, where characters tell conflicting stories about what happened is, of course, Rashomon. Mm -hmm. Um which I think maybe is a little overused in reference where, again, any movie that remotely has that kind of right, storyline, right. you'll always, oh, this is like Rashomon. Yeah. And of course, in terms of the, the actual narrative content of this movie, it is nothing like Rashomon, sure, which sure. is a sort of almost quasi mystical, you know, uh, medieval fairy tale almost. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it is the root really of all movies that tell stories this way. And I guarantee that anyone who makes a movie like this thinks about Rashomon and knows that they're going to be compared to Rashomon and kind of, uh, you know, has that in the back of their mind. And um, just the idea of that. And I, I don't know specifically if there are any other movies before that. And I think that was, it was in the fifties, I believe that mm. Rashomon came out where that kind of thing happened. but. I mean, certainly not any that are as well known. And, and that's really it is kind of a radical thing. The idea of like telling, you know, you, the, the audience not really even knowing what is the quote unquote true sure. version of what happened is that, you know, the story isn't being told from point A to point B. And now I think we're used to that happening in a lot of ways in yeah. a lot of movies, but maybe at that time it didn't. Um, so, so I think that is, is, is legit. Um, and I've certainly seen it mentioned in a number of, of reviews and comments on this movie. Um, so it seems like kind of a requisite thing to mention. But right. at the same time, it's maybe it, there's a lot of distance between Rashomon and this movie. Sure, absolutely. Although I could totally picture those guys uh, that pulled off this this robbery like sitting there just like smoking a joint being like this movie they're going to make on us is like Rashomon. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. That is, I could see that as well. <laughs> seems so... Uh... Like such an easy line to draw there. Um, <laughs> uh, well, um, another another movie uh, that immediately came to mind was the first one I thought of, actually, uh, which also deals with the whole not knowing the truth and with the characters kind of leading you astray and everything like that is I, Tanya. Yes, that is on my list as well. Right on. Yeah. Uh, I, Tanya, obviously the dra dramatized story, but with a kind of a documentary style but they're also kind of leading you on to what it is they want you to believe about the events that happened um it, it's it's questionable about whether or not you know you're coming away with what form of the truth from that movie but regardless it's a fun movie <laughs> a wild ride you know uh yeah absolutely i i had that on my list too and i think a lot of the documentary style interviews in that movie are you know, heavily based on real interviews that the the screenwriter did with those real people. Yeah. I don't know if they're verbatim per se, but I mean, you get the impression that they could have replaced those with real documentary interviews and it would have had kind of the same. Yeah. Uh, the same effect. So, yeah, I, I did. Um, that came to mind 
strongly for me as well. Yeah. And I think that I think Itania is better sure. than this and maybe balances that kind of thing more effectively. Yeah. Um, but you know, they definitely have a lot of similarities. Yeah, and I and I think also, um, well, I mean, I guess rather than wait till the end, one of my main problems with American Animals was that uh I think the filmmakers absolutely had an idea in mind of what the point was of this, but I don't think they quite got there with, with what happened. Um, I think maybe dramatizing the interviews the way that they did in I, Tanya would have helped to nail down that point of these people aren't good people. Really. You right, know, these people right. kind of screwed up their own lives. Right. They screwed up the lives of the, the, the life of the uh, library, uh, the, the lady at the library. Right. And so it's like, you know, not giving them a platform and giving them a movie and all that instead of just making a, a movie would have maybe, maybe a little bit more put it in the right direction of having a point. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It does. It does sort of feel like you get to the end and you're like, well, what exactly did this amount to yeah. not only for the people, but like for the movie, for the storytelling. Yeah. So yeah, I can see that. I think it, it's interesting that it, it, combines these things that we don't necessarily expect to be combined but i think it it that puts it in a sort of awkward middle ground that doesn't fully succeed right. on either level yeah. unfortunately yeah exactly um, yeah <laughs> and and maybe itanya by fully dramatizing everything does a better job of it right yeah but regardless i mean it definitely uh it's definitely an interesting way of of combining the two, yeah, and it, it definitely works on its own level. It's just uh i I definitely thought about it as I was leaving the theater whether or not something the way I Tanya handled it could have possibly been a better way to handle it, especially given the the circumstances of what these people did and everything right, right, yeah, yeah you don't want to feel like you're endorsing sure not not what they did or endorsing them as people, like you said, like that they're yeah. actually good people when clearly. They're not. <laughs> so uh, what would your next puzzle piece be? Then? Okay, so the next thing I have is another movie about privileged, uh, bored teenagers committing uh, useless crimes, uh, which is The Bling Ring. Uh, oh, nice. Sofia Coppola's uh, sort of, I guess you could qualify that as a true crime movie as well, mm. about the uh, Los Angeles teenagers who robbed celebrity houses uh, based on uh, gossip reports uh when they learned that uh people would be out of town shooting movies or or whatnot um and i think in in both cases you have people who are i mean objectively maybe you could say their lives are pretty good mm -hmm. you know they're not wanting for anything sure exactly. you know in neither of these cases are these people committing crimes because they can't feed themselves or they you know they can't support their children or something like that they just want something to do yeah and they feel like we could get away with this so why wouldn't we do it yeah and you know it, it's it sort of speaks to the like meaninglessness of modern life you know exactly. like if, if you have theoretically all the things that you could possibly need what is there for you like what point is there to existence and how do you you get feeling or whatever and yeah and i think the bling ring is maybe a little more disaffected um and and distanced from those characters um then this movie is obviously with the documentary elements you have the real people literally explaining sure you know those kinds of motivations or whatever um but but i think in both cases it's it's 
giving you know the filmmakers have a bit of that distance to look at and say like what what are these people doing or like what what was even the point of any of this and yeah. you know at the end of it they end up in prison or they end up having ruined their lives um for what um even yeah. though i guess at least in in this movie in american animals at least in one case i think is it is warren who's basically like has no regrets whatsoever. Yeah. And in fact, he's just that, enjoying the ride. Right. Man. Even having gone to prison for seven years, like that was worth it, which, yeah. you know, I think the bling ring, um, the real people there probably didn't, didn't feel that way. Sure. But, um, you know, that's definitely something that, that I thought of. And I think the bling ring is great. I think it's actually an underrated, uh, movie as far as uh sofia coppola's films go i like the bling ring I, I didn't love it but i did like it wasn't that uh like the first a24 film i think it, it could be i know you're the big a24 i, I love a24 movies uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was their first release um but yeah no i did like that movie for sure a lot and that's actually a really good point though uh i hadn't thought of that one and that's totally mirrors the same kind of disaffected like just need for reason and need need, right. for, need for something to do you know yeah, yeah. yeah. of of these otherwise entitled people you know yeah. and uh, that's a good one um let's see my my next uh puzzle piece well so this one this is more of uh how should i put it uh more of like a reason for the filmmakers looking into stories like this and that is uh, making a murderer and other true crime series, right? You know, um, which are so hot, like especially on TV, not so much in movies. Um, but looking for the next one of those, and this is a clear example of a like you know stranger than fiction kind of a story that they could have adapted. And I'm sure when they found it, they were just like you know, boom, you right? Know? <laughs> Let's yes, do it's this. It's a gold mine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, because it, it is it is a great example of just just a crazy weird story, and um, I'm sure it was probably uh, I'm sure it was probably a lot of fun too to like put a story like this together. You just look at it and be like, "Wow, I can't believe this happened." Let's try to make this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It does. I mean, I think one thing it lacks or or is different from that is there's no there's no mystery here. We're right. not watching this wondering like, did they really do it or mm -hmm. who really did it? Yeah, or whatever. Um, but, but yeah, stuff like that, certainly you, you imagine that. And if you're a filmmaker right now and you have one of those stories, you can probably get some financing oh, really easily. I am sure. Absolutely. That movie is going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next thing I have on my list is actually a movie that is explicitly referenced in this movie. Which is Reservoir Dogs. My next one, too. There you go. Um, so that seems very, very obvious. And and clearly the characters in this movie, I mean, they're very influenced by movies, not just this. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the one that's most heavily mentioned in the movie. Yeah. But at one point we see them watching, I think it's The Killing, the Stanley Kubrick movie, mm. um, which I have not actually seen, so I uh, can't really speak to. Um, but And there's also like kind of a pile of DVDs of various things. Um, and actually, uh, reading, um, there's a Vanity Fair article from 2007 that was written like a very long, extensive article about this, where they interviewed, it was when they were all still in prison. Mm -hmm. Um, and it mentions that, um, which is a fun detail that isn't in this movie, but that during the period of time between when they committed, uh, the robbery and when they were caught and when they were all like super paranoid and actually literally the cops were following them. Yeah. Um, they all went to see in the theater oceans 12, 
and were sitting in the theater like commenting on how it related to their situation while like four rows behind them the cops were sitting there oh listening to everything that they said um so so yeah so these characters obviously are really influenced by mo- by heist movies and Reservo- reservoir dogs is the the most obvious one they yeah. specifically name themselves you know mr pink and mr black yeah. and just like in reservoir dogs um and they're the the sort of fantasy sequence where they imagine the heist going really well yeah um you know they're all dressed in those kind of tarantino style suits totally um, totally so but beyond that i think reservoir dogs also is a movie about a heist that does not go well exactly absolutely yeah that is definitely another reason why i single that one out um because yeah reservoir dogs does not end well for everybody <laughs> right yeah and I think that's one of the things in this movie, and it's kind of funny that they're they're idolizing some of these movies where it doesn't work out for the yeah. people in the movies. Like you don't want to be like those guys yeah. because those guys, I mean, in the case of Reservoir Dogs, they died a yeah. lot of them, yeah. you know, and very painfully. Right, like. right, and that's not what happens here. But I think yeah. you know, I think maybe Leighton uses that that disconnect between their sort of oh isn't reservoir dogs so badass yeah. and the knowledge that like well actually in reservoir dogs things go very poorly for those people yeah and that that gives you even if you don't know what happens maybe the sense in the foreshadowing of like oh this isn't going to work out for these sure guys. yeah you know also one of the uh, characters had a reservoir dogs poster on his wall in the movie so there you go <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. another reason why i was singling that one out yeah um and that's also a a good, I mean, you just kind of touched on it right there a little bit, but a, a good setup for my next puzzle piece, which is I have literally written down every heist movie ever. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. um, because it's so clear that the the real life people were so inspired by by heist movies, and I hate blaming you know real life acts of crime on movies because that's bullshit as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Yeah. But to a certain dumb enough person, you know what I mean? <laughs> it could possibly influence them a little bit. And yeah, I mean, these guys are clearly inspired by heist movies, you know, Ocean's Eleven and just all of them really. And, uh, and then also the filmmakers and the way that they staged the reenactment of it all, yeah. you know, certainly they, they're picking and choosing little bits and pieces from a lot of different heist movies. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is a movie that you could say even like kind of comments on the idea of the heist yes. movie, which I think is one of those ambitions that maybe doesn't, fully get realized right. here but exactly. is, is certainly something that they're aiming for in no. parts of this movie yeah that's a hundred percent that that's the that's the the main thing that i think and i think it's 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 interesting and admirable that they're trying to make that comment of people that are pulling off heists in these movies are not good people you know <laughs> like right. that's great that they're that they're taking that angle which is original and different it just doesn't quite get there you know to the point that i think that they're trying to make there um, but regardless, it, it is, it is done at least in an entertaining way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it is in a different way. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I mean, there's a lot of suspense in this movie that, that the, yeah. the real, the heist sequence when they actually go through with it is extremely tense. Yes, absolutely. Um, and especially because you know, it's going to go wrong and you're just waiting for like, what are they going to screw up? Yeah. Um, and that's, yeah. Um, sort of in contrast, I think, to a lot of heist movies, especially like the Oceans movies, which obviously they idolize, where everything always goes perfectly oh, of in course. those movies. Yeah, yeah, every single minute of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, so my next uh, is another heist movie. So maybe maybe we, you know, have kind of covered the whole gamut of that. But I will mention 
um, Quick Change, which is, I feel like, a very mm -hmm. underrated movie, uh, co-directed by Bill Murray, the mm -hmm. only movie that Bill Murray ever co-directed or, direct or co-directed or anything, um, which is a movie about a heist that goes really well, but then the characters cannot escape. Yeah. Um, and I think, obviously, in this movie, the heist doesn't go according to plan, but ultimately, they do get away sure. with some stuff and could have like gotten away with the whole thing but then after the heist things continue to go wrong you know just little things that they can't possibly do you know they show up at, at christie's to get the appraisal and the guy that they made an appointment with is off that day yeah and yeah. you know just these little things that give out some the wrong phone number to somebody and like these small <laughs> mistakes or or even you know things that are out of their control like a guy being you know having an off day or whatever uh add up until the point where um, you know, they end up getting caught. And yeah. so, I mean, Quick Change is a comedy and is it's funny how ridiculous the situations are that these characters end up with after they're, you know, they've gotten away with a million dollars or whatever it is that they've stolen from a bank. Um, but I think that idea of the absurdity of like, we have this, we got it, and yet we can't, you know, there's one shot in, in American Animals where you see, I think it's Evan Peters' character, one of the characters, and it's like these rare, you know, books that are worth millions are just like sitting in like a satchel like under his bed or something right. and it's like that's what did they even end up with because yeah. they can't possibly <laughs> like they can't make that next step after they've committed this crime sure yeah <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> the book's just sitting there <laughs> yeah i thought that was a great shot because you're like this is what it's this is what it's amounted to is they have books under their bed now yeah <laughs> that is so funny um so i i only had one one more here and it it's not a very uh definitive one it was more just about uh just the feeling of these kind of burnout characters and that was dazed and confused um back to richard link later right but uh but yeah just just uh, like a a bunch of really colorful characters that all have their own like very distinct personalities teaming up and in, in in a way like doing something together you know right, what i mean right. and that that's it's more of a surface level thing but uh i think i was thinking of that one at first and that led me to bernie so i was like i'm gonna just leave it in there as well yeah them. so right yeah. yeah well and um uh, uh blake jenner who plays uh chaz the kind of athlete guy the last one that they recruit was one of the main stars of uh everybody wants some that's right yeah that's that's absolutely right so um yeah Always, I love Richard Linklater. And yeah. you could just mention all his movies and I'll just be happy to yeah. talk about them. Let's just go right through. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I have two more, so I'll go quickly because they're, cool. they're, they're both kind of similar to ideas that we've talked about before. Uh -huh. um, one is Fargo, which is another movie about people attempting to commit the quote unquote perfect crime and miserably, miserably failing. Yeah. Um, and I mean, and even has the the sort of, this obviously is a true story, but Fargo is not. But it has that that pretend true crime tone to it. Sure, you know the yeah. the, the on screen text at the beginning that says is a true story when of course it isn't. Yeah, but you know it it, it definitely <laughs> like a lot of people believed that it was. Yeah, and and it definitely has that tone of like here are all these things that you know you can imagine real people doing and miserably you know going awry when you try to commit. Uh, a crime like this i actually was thinking of fargo at one point and also a simple plan yes uh, you yeah. know as as both similar uh 
just plans that go bad. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, in a simple plan is another. I think there's movies like that where it's like everyone turns on each other. Yeah. You know, and one thing that doesn't happen in this movie. Right, they do not turn on each no, other. No, yeah. no. And in fact, one thing that's, I don't think it's in the movie, but I read in the Vanity Fair article is that they were all offered the chance to testify against each other <laughs> and they all refused. Which is why they all ended up with the like full seven year yeah. sentence. I'd love to see a sequel that's just like <laughs> those scenes of them just going nuts. Like, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, credit to them, I guess. Um, but yeah, Fargo or, and even the Fargo TV series in like uh, in the third season, one of the big plot elements is is the attempt to steal a rare stamp. Yeah. Which, you know, is another one of these like kind of ridiculous, but super valuable things that, you know, you could focus on stealing. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I had is is another kind of documentary with reenactments and and sort of the the progenitor of all of those, which is Errol Morris's The Thin Blue Line, um, which uh, also uses the idea of conflicting narratives, where it, eventually it comes down on a particular side of here's what really happened. Mm -hmm. But throughout the movie, as he interviews different people about this crime, he shows reenactments of it occurring as each person kind of claims that it occurred, um, you know, before coming to a conclusion of here's what it really is. But I mean, that's another movie about, I mean, it's a more kind of less or less outlandish crime. Mm. Um, I mean, it's murder though. So it's, it's, you know, yeah. not, not as entertaining, yeah. but, <laughs> um, you know, but, but this kind of like confluence of, of absurd details and coincidences and things like that, that of course led to this guy being convicted for a crime that he didn't commit. Yeah. Um, but Morris was really, I don't, I'm sure he wasn't the first one to use reenactments, but, but, you know, really brought that kind of, uh, structure to the forefront of documentary filmmaking and, yeah. you know, made it so much more prevalent, I think in quote unquote, serious and artistic documentaries. Sure. You know, I, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit oh, here. Okay. Um, and if you don't have one, that's totally fine. But I was trying to think of one earlier, uh, but I just couldn't think of a specific movie. Uh, but a movie where uh, there, there, there are details that are being lied about, but they show them anyway. And then it turns out, oh, that wasn't true. There Actually, something else happened. Right. I um, mean... I'm trying to think of specific movies where that has happened. It seems like something they've seen a million times right, before. Right, right. I think I think so, and I think you're right. I can't I can't recall yeah, can't any other than any you either. know what we've talked about already. Yeah, I, I can't really think of more movies like. But there's definitely movies that are like that, or even if where it's just like one moment in a movie. Maybe it's not like yeah, kind of the whole concept of the movie right but you know something that happens where it's like oh wait rewind that's not really what happened yeah kind of thing um yeah i mean just as i was saying like when you mentioned bernie i was trying to think of movies where you know real people it's a true story and some of the real people involved in the story interact with the actors playing real people and i couldn't i actually was googling like actors interact with reels and it, that did not yeah. get me anywhere. Um, <laughs> but I feel like there are other movies like that. And certainly like what you mentioned with the, the idea of, I mean, there's movies with, with twists, which is not quite the same thing right. where you get to the, the, the twist at the end and you realize, Oh, some of the stuff that we've seen prior to this is sort of been misrepresented yeah, like the usual suspects or something. Yeah. yeah or, 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 or fight club. Yeah. Um, which some I've seen some site as an influence on this movie or maybe an influence on the characters, you know, the idea of these, I was thinking angry about young white males wanting meaning in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although I, I thought that was maybe a bit of a stretch, but, yeah. um, 
but yeah, as far as that, I mean, you know, the kind of thing that happens like in Itania or in this movie where, you know, someone is describing something and you see it and then you realize like, well, that might not actually be what really happened. Yeah. I can't think of any right now. It's funny when you said you were Googling. I, I when I was doing before I did the tag episode, I was <laughs> I was Googling movies where friends uh continue a game from their childhood <laughs> there, there wasn't, there wasn't that any much. results no, yeah. no. <laughs> so uh that brings us to the finished puzzle here so i'm going to list out all the movies we think inspired american animals so we have the imposter i tanya rashomon the bling ring making a murderer another crime uh, true crime series uh reservoir dogs Every heist movie ever, <laughs> uh, Quick Change, uh, Fargo, Bernie, Dazed and Confused, and The Thin Blue Line. So that is our finished list. And, um, you know, just to wrap things up, uh, you know, I, I like this movie a lot. Um, I, like I said throughout the episode, I, I feel like there are some ideas that it was trying to get across that it didn't quite get, like, fully formed. Um, but Aside from that, it was still very entertaining. A lot of great performances in it. And um, it was interesting and original. And uh, I, I really liked it a lot. Yeah, I think I liked it a little less than you did. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate all those ambitions. I think mostly they're not realized. Yeah. Um, and, and while I was appreciating them, at the same time, I, I finished this movie thinking I probably would have liked it better if it was just a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, again, I went and read that Vanity Fair article, which fills in so many other details. It sounds really interesting. I need, it to, is. I need to go read that. Um, and it's from like 2007. So obviously, you know, a lot of things, they were all in prison at the time. So, you know, there's more that kind of, that the movie gets to later on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it made me feel like I think I would have liked it better. Or maybe if it was just a narrative and sure. you weren't constantly going back and being reminded of the, the real subjects and wondering, oh, what else do they have to say? Right. Um, but I do I do appreciate that it's it's very ambitious and it's it's stylish and a lot of it was entertaining. Certainly that heist stuff, the actual heist was very yeah. entertaining. You would lose that in a in a straight straightforward documentary. And, you know, I, I very I very much felt the like suspense and the tension. And like, even though these are terrible people, like you said, you kind of almost want it to go well. You want it to go well just because like the more it fails, the more likely they are to like hurt someone. Right. <laughs> They're not going to get uh, encouraged to do it all again. And, right. Yeah. Or, you know, the poor librarian, they yeah. have to, you know, try to keep tasing her over and over again in order to get her to <laughs> shut up. Um, uh, you know, another thing that, uh, how do you say his name? Barry Cognum? Oh, Kyogen? Kyogen? Yeah. He is an odd dude, that actor. <laughs> yeah. Well, you... I mean, after the killing of the sacred deer. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. He's an odd dude. Even in this where he's kind of like, kind of the heart of the movie he's still yeah. pretty weird <laughs> he is well i mean all of these characters are meant to be kind of yeah off i think in you know in yeah. some way but yeah he's very unsettling in the, in the killing of a sacred deer yeah oh very absolutely yeah. <laughs> all right well uh yeah I, I think that brings it to a close uh josh thanks again for being here do you have uh, anything coming up you want to plug or anything um well i just things that i'm always doing go to joshbellhateseverything.com and see my 
reviews of terrible dinosaur movies on VOD. <laughs> oh, I just saw that today. Yeah. And uh, maybe you can discuss <laughs> them in your upcoming Jurassic World episode. Oh, yeah. Um, that would require me watching them. Yeah, though, no, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Um, follow me on Twitter at SignalBleed. Uh, check out Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook. You can um, keep up with all my reviews and commentary and all the various places where I write those things and appear. Um, and uh, keep watching the skies. I don't know. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs>
and all points west. 